I uh, should have known that preaching on uh, parenting would lead to a very tough day parenting, as you would have it, and uh, and so feeling just uh, so ill-equipped to be here uh, preaching, but isn't that the life of a parent? (laughs) Some days you feel like you're crushing it, and some days you're wondering, what were you thinking and to have kids? But here we are. Just kidding. But seriously, sometimes. Uh, I digress. Hey, so I was reading this, uh, this uh, commentary leading up to this sermon, and there was a story that was shared uh, in the commentary. And it just really connected with me. It said that there was a, a biblical scholar that was asked by a student, uh, and the student asked him, how did you become uh, to be so prolific? And I was like, man, prolific, that's a, that's a great word. Like, I, I want to be prolific. Uh, and then the, the scholar uh, said to the student, I sacrificed my son. And then he went on with this rant and, and said angrily to the student uh, that I know many of you want to be like me, but you need to know that I'm praying you won't be. And that connected uniquely with me as a pastor, as somebody that is working in the ministry, because there are moments where I want to do more in ministry. I want to give more time, but yet I have family obligations that prevent that. And there's times where my sinful nature wants to put ministry before family. But that's my unique struggle. That's not, that, that is not the, the struggle of many of the parents or family members in this room. But my point in sharing that is, don't we all have a struggle? If we, if we aren't necessarily a mom or a dad right now, or maybe our kids have moved out, can't we remember back to when we wore that struggle for our parents? Or when we had kids in our home, when we had unique stresses? And so I I share with you in that story what my madhouse might look like. It's a madhouse having my kids here all day yesterday, all day tonight. It creates a madhouse. But what is your madhouse? Your madhouse won't look like mine, but there are unique stresses to all of us. And so when we bring a different perspective to these conversations, here's what I want to do before we dig dig deeper into Ephesians chapter 6. I want us to start with just a few different perspectives that we're going to agree upon, or that I'm, uh, maybe I should better say that I'm going to preach from. Here's, a, here's one perspective. That one, the first perspective is this. Home is primary, but it's not exclusive. As we talk about family, we're not just talking about what happens behind closed doors. The family unit is such where it is, it's when you're in the car, it's when you're at church, it's when you're in the grocery store, that we're talking holistically here. Secondly, is that the church serves the family, but we don't parent. I don't drop my kids off to well kids to have them be the spiritual. They, they, are, they are a part, but and as a church, you get what I'm saying, we don't, we don't do the parenting We just serve the family. And then thirdly, Paul, who writes this, who is the author of the book of Ephesians by the power of the Holy Spirit, the best we can tell is that he was unmarried and did not have kids. And no one considers Paul lesser than. And so if you're in this room and you're unmarried, or if you're in this room and you don't have kids, or or the combination of that, you need to know right from the beginning as we preach this passage that you are not lesser than. And then Christian freedom means that we are not going to create holy wars on how to parent. We live in 2023. You can Google parenting styles. 
And I can say that my parenting style is the best parenting style, and you might parent differently. Well, in Christ, we have freedom to live out our Christian faith in different ways within the confines of Scripture, and so we are not going to create holy wars on how to parent. The point is just to parent in the name of Jesus. And then lastly, family can't be the top priority, but it must be a priority. And so it's from those perspectives that we preach. And so as we go into God's word, where do you fall? Has, are you in that portion where family is too much of a priority? Or are you in that portion where family, you're neglecting family? We're going to speak someplace into the middle. And as a church, whether or not you have kids in your home right now, or perhaps you're saying, Jason, why did I come tonight to this service? My point in, in, in preaching this passage is to say, as a church family, don't we want to see healthy families in the name of Jesus? Don't we want to see more and more men and women growing up to be warriors for Christ? And as a church, whether or not we have kids in our home right now, don't we have a responsibility to one another to support the family union and see that this happens. Because as a church, I do think that we would agree. A mom and dad's job is not just to raise really good earthlings, but to raise warriors for Christ Jesus. And that takes all of us helping to do that. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. Last week, uh, Graham pre Pastor Graham cre uh, preached on uh, Ephesians, the end of Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul is in the context of talking about uh, living out your Christian faith in this mutual submission theme. And then he goes into the family unit as a way to live out your, your faith. Uh, and so Graham last week preached about uh, marriage, and then we turned the page to Ephesians chapter 6, and here's what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise that it will go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Paul is speaking to a culture that does not value women. And he very intentionally uses not sons obey your father and mother, but he says children. He's intentionally including a women into this to right away show that this is not just a command for men. This is a command for all children, all genders. And, and it should be noted that he's making the command to children. So as we're raising up children to, to help them learn what to do, what is right, what is wrong, Paul is giving a command directly to children saying, here, if you want to know what's right and wrong, here's where it starts. Obey your mom and your dad. Obey has to do with action uh, and, and honor has to do with attitude. That we're looking to honor God by obeying our parents and so that would mean if you're a child in the room that you're going to, with your actions, you're going to say yes or no, or you're going to listen to your mom and dad, but you're going to do it with the right attitude because you're trying to honor God. Have you, have you ever seen a, a kid make their bed because they're obeying you? But they, it's not with the right attitude. And that's equally wrong, isn't it? And so what, what Paul is saying here is to do it with the right attitude, but then he makes a promise with it that your life will be better. Now, it's a promise, and we have to understand the promise is not that your life will be perfect. Well, I've obeyed mom and dad, so my hamster will never die. I've obeyed mom and dad, and, and now this will never happen to me. My house will never... like. No, he's saying that in general, when you obey your mom and dad, life for you is genuinely better. And you can see how, like, I, I, I can tell you today, hey, over the weekend, my kids were angels. 
today, something got up their butt. And life isn't as peaceful today. When there is obedience in the home, life tends to get a little bit better for everybody. I think that's Paul's point here. When we learn to obey mom and dad, we learn to grow up and be citizens in our society where we are obeying uh, authority. We learn the, to obey the authoritative structure from the home. And Paul is saying that we do this in the name of Jesus. And so I want to encourage moms and dads in this room. As we read this text, there is a pecking order in your house. The top of the org chart is not your kids. <laughs> the top of the org chart is you as mom and dad. <laughs> and so we need to stop putting our kids at the very top and, and to keep that structure within our homes. And as we are raising up our children, we're doing it with that theme, with that mindset of in the Lord. Which means that if we serve in the Lord, we have to remember our Jesus who, who on the night that he was betrayed was washing feet and sacrificing and taking that humble position. And so as we, as we do that for our kids, I've witnessed certain households that they treat their kids as indentured slaves where they're always like, can you go do this? Can you go do this? Can you go do this? And it's like, are your kids maids or are they like, what are you? And it's, and it's all these little things. And it's like, no, 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 like, like, you're supposed to sacrifice. You're supposed to do things. And there's, there's some give and take there. As we do it in the Lord, we're, we're doing things with our kids to help them know what it is like to live out their Christian faith and to learn certain values and what they should know as they become adults. When I was a kid, uh, well, let me just start this. I'm thankful to be an adult now where I get to choose what I'm able to eat and what I won't eat. Because as a kid, that was not a choice given to me. Uh, as a kid, the rule was if it's set before you, you finish it. Uh, and if you don't want to finish it, that's okay, but you're going to have it for the next meal, and then the next meal, and then the next meal. And if you think Mama Koash was kidding, she was not. Uh, and so the day, the night that we had a cauliflower casserole, uh, for dinner. Uh, my brother Jonathan was able to sneak it into the fish tank. I was not so lucky. Uh, and so uh, I did not finish my meal. And my mom, Mama Koash, wasn't going to fight with me. So next morning for breakfast, if you think cauliflower casserole is awful, try heating it up as a leftover. Uh, and so I had that for breakfast. Didn't quite finish it because I'm... Uh, and so I had it for lunch as well. It was a surprise to me to open up my lunchbox and see that it was in there as well. And that is, and so to this day, I will not eat cauliflower. My wife loves it. And I, and I had to wonder why did Christian chicken go and do something of the devil in bringing cauliflower to Chick-fil-A uh, because that is ridiculous. But ain't my digress. But what I did learn from that is that my kids eat what's set before them that I am not going to let them to put a meal before them and then go to the garbage can and throw it out when there are people around this world that crave what they are throwing in the garbage can. And so I learned a certain value in my home. I had to learn to respect it. I was forced to respect it, but it's become a value in me as I raise my own kids. That's a healthy, authoritative structure. One of the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten as a parent when, when Ava was pregnant with Landon was do what you say and say what you will do and follow through with that. Why don't you drive 65 on the parkway? 
because no one gives a ticket for 66. There's no, there's no police officer that's going to give you a ticket for going 66 on the parkway. And if they do, you're going to be like, what? What are you talking about? Because it's actually dangerous now for you to go 66 on the parkway here in New Jersey. We do what we are allowed to do. And so in the home, if you tell your child that they are not going to be allowed to do a certain thing, if they do a certain thing, you need to follow through. If you say that there is going to be a punishment, you have to follow through with that punishment, but you have to remember that this is in the Lord. You have to be reasonable with what you say. And so if, if they don't take out the garbage, you can't, you should not be like, well, if you don't take out the garbage, you're going to go live with grandma. Like what that does, that's the punishment doesn't fit the crime. And so say what you mean and mean what you will do. And this is, this is where the church can come in and help. Because have you, I don't know of a single kid or teenager that feels like mom and dad are reasonable. <laughs> and so as a church, when mom and dad are being reasonable, but to a youth's mind it doesn't feel reasonable, we as a church can come alongside and be that outside voice that is absolutely needed from time to time. To be like, yo, mom and dad, they aren't being unreasonable. You got to think about it from this perspective. And you might, as a parent, have been saying that, but they'll hear from somebody else. And so that's where we as a church can help. And if a parent is being unreasonable, then yeah, we should step in and do something about that. But that is far fewer the situations, although sadly in America or in the world, we do have to mention that that can be the case. And so here's though, and I think Paul addresses that to a degree. He's, he goes on and says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction uh, of the Lord. Now, contextually, he's saying this to both parents, but he's giving an emphasis to fathers. This is a highlight to fathers to, 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 to take ownership of, of the family. This was a, a culture where, where fathers could abandon their children. This was a, a culture where, chill, where fathers could kill their children. The, and in both those situations, they would not face a, a crime, a punishment for that because that was just part of the culture. And so it was the church that raised up. It was the church that when, when others could would disregard kids, it was the church in that day and age that was bringing kids in and giving them a sense of belonging. Because so many fathers in that day and age would provoke their kids would harm their kids, would treat their kids in, in such an awful way. And so we need to see this as, yes, he's speaking to both parents, but there's an emphasis placed on the father because oftentimes as the father goes, the family goes. Parents don't usually intend to provoke their kids. I know Ava and I have never woken up and said, you know what, how can we get our kids ripping mad today? <laughs> We've never said that. <laughs> But those things have happened. <laughs> and so we don't, you, there, you can be well-meaning. You, you can be overprotective and cause resentment within your kids. So don't provoke your kids to anger. Allow for them to have those teachable moments, those, those areas of freedom where they do something and now, now you've created this teachable moment to speak into that. Be careful to, to not put too much pressure on your kids. Do not give them your goals, but give them the, the space to set their own goals. Don't provoke your kids by comparing them to each other, especially in each other's sight, because that will provoke anger. Don't provoke anger when, when you're not willing to sacrifice for your kids. If you're not willing to sacrifice for your kids, they're going to feel unwanted, not special, and like they're going to feel like an intrusion. You're going to provoke your kids to anger when you, when you don't let them grow up at a normal pace. When, when, you, when you treat your 7-year-old your like a 16-year-old 
even when your seven-year-old is trying to act like a 16-year-old. You're, you're supposed to let them grow up at a normal pace and, and be reasonable with the age that they're at. There's a times where kids act childish because they're just that, they're children. But you help guide them into maturity. You provoke them to anger when we just don't chill out in the home. There's a moment where our homes need to be peaceful and, and we have to ask the question, is it our kids not making the house peaceful or do we just need to chill out a little bit and we have to help make our homes peaceful? Do we provoke to anger because sometimes we go to the route of discouragement, discouragement, discouragement where our kids are left feeling like, am I good for anything? And we have to go to the route of giving them some encouragement and some approval in that regards. So what do we do, Paul Paul says, well, raise them up in discipline and instruction. Nourish, nourish them. Provide for them. Feed them. Help them understand what a God-honoring life looks like. You know what the best way for you to do that, to help your kids understand what a God-honoring life looks like? is for you to model it. They're looking at you. If you claim the name of Jesus as a parent, they're looking at you as the best representation of what a well-meaning, God-honoring Christian life looks like. So if you value church, odds are they will start to value church. If you take your walk with Jesus seriously, odds are they will start to take their Christian life uh, seriously. If they see, what, what, as, as you live out your Christian life, do they see bitterness or do they see forgiveness? As, the, as you live out your Christian life, do they see mom and dad as, as they're consistent as they act in church, as they act in the car, as they act in home? Do they see that consistency in their Christian walk? When, when your kids see what a, what a godly Christian marriage looks like, what do they see in your marriage? Perhaps the best thing that you can do for your child is to love your spouse. And that's like, that's a daunting task to be the best representation of Christ in your home because don't we all fail? And so here, the best representation of Christ in your home could be, man, I preach the gospel to myself, as I, as, I, as I understand grace, I give myself grace. As I look to get better, I, I show my kids that I'm not a perfect Christian. I show my kids that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a weak person, but I serve a mighty Savior. So here's, as, 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 as I was preparing for this, there were some reminders on, on Monday. It's, this is all in my head. And on Monday, uh, there were some things in my kitchen. These are things in my kitchen uh, that were reminders to me of, uh, of, of everything I'm, I'm mentioning here. And so the first is, is this one. And uh, I know Ava was probably like, well, why didn't you dust it off? Because now everybody's going to think we have dust in our home. And I, I never do that. I'm like, well, it's real. Like, this is what's on our counter. And like, you don't have dust in your home? Oh, we're the only ones? Okay, great. Uh, okay. Uh, I put my pants on too. Okay. Uh, anyways, I digress. Uh, and so these are marbles. You can see that. Okay, that's not rocket science. Uh, and so uh, there's this verse that says, teach me to number uh, my days that I may gain wisdom. And I was reading that in a parenting book. And, uh, and so I just, I was like, man, I want to do that. And so I, I count, I calculated out how many uh, weeks we had left with Landon in the house before he goes off to college. Uh, and so originally all these marbles were in here and it's kind of overflowing a little bit. And so now every week, Sunday afternoon, I get a little notification on my phone and Landon grabs a marble and he just goes over and he drops it into this one. And over time, it's going to like go, you know, whatever. The neighbor's going to start crying and whatnot. Uh, and so uh, every week, uh, Landon drops a marble in there. And uh, we just pause as a family, and we pray uh, that God would give us wisdom with the time that we have left with the kids in our home. And so it's just this daily reminder 
um, that kids come out the womb uh, with a stamp uh, that says, for a limited time only, uh, and that we only have a certain amount of time with them in our homes uh, to help them become more and more like Jesus and guide them in that way. Uh, and then there's this other thing. I, I try to eat healthy and whatnot. And, uh, and so in my smoothies, I like to have uh, protein powders and whatnot. And, uh, and so this is one that my mother-in-law just gave me, a vanilla one. I, have, uh, I found this one at ShopRite, which is delightful. It was uh, half off uh, because it's uh, peppermint hot chocolate flavored. Uh, and it's like to die for. Um, wicked digress, but you should go to ShopRite and get it. Anyways, I have these, uh, these supplements at, uh, on my kitchen counter. And I put them in my smoothies because I want to enhance my smoothie. And uh, I've said this before that with the supplements that I have, that this is not my diet. Uh, Mike's getting a degree, or not a degree in this, but a certification in this to help people with eating and whatnot. And, and we could, you could tell anybody here that knows anything about this would say, like, this cannot be your only diet. This, this cannot be the diet. That would not be healthy. What is healthy is to have something like this as a supplement to enhance an already healthy diet. And this, I was thinking about this as like, Supplements are great, but they have a place and a purpose. YouTube is a supplement. Church is a supplement. The Well Kids Ministry is a supplement. Well Youth is a supplement. There are certain things that we would put before our kids to help them understand maybe the Christian faith or what whatnot, help raise our kids. Those are things that we should see as a supplement, but they can't be the full diet. We need to be raising our kids in the name of Jesus and understand that it is our job to raise our kids, not any of the supplements that we want to put before them. And so one of the ways in which I'm trying to do that right now with Landon, Landon is 12 years old and I'm taking a concept from the book, um, Play the Man by Mark Batterson. He calls it a year of discipleship where you take your 12-year-old kid and you put like a, a year of focus on them to help them understand what it means to be a man or woman of Christ. And so Landon's the firstborn. And so Landon, this year, has four challenges, an intellectual challenge where he's reading a book a month, and they're like adult books. They're not even picture books. Uh, and he, so he's reading right now Think Again by Adam Grant. Uh, it's a powerful book, and he's reading that. He's doing He's crushing it. He has a love challenge where he has to uh, design a CKA with Heather Vandekoy uh, and then help uh, love people in our community. There's a spiritual challenge where he's reading through the New Testament this year. Uh, he's going to go to Brazil with me to see uh, the global church uh, and he's, oh, and he has to do a physical challenge with me where we're going hiking uh, over uh, in April for a few days uh, into rattlesnake country. Uh, he's really excited about that. Ava, not so much. And, uh, and so it's going to be a rad time, but that's landing. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to help him learn what it means to be a man of God, because my conviction is that it's my job to raise my kid. It's not a job I'm willing to give to anybody else. And so as we do this, I want to give you guys a, a word of hope and a word of focus. The word of focus as parents is simply this. If you leave here with one thing, give your kids Jesus. Make room to have conversations about Jesus. If you're working in the garage on something, invite your kid to join you so that when you bang your ha hand on something and you say, oh, golly gee, they see that there is a way to respond and a way not to respond. <laughs> Invite your kids to ask them about how their day went. And when they say, hey, my, my bus driver said she was going to write me up for something I didn't do. All right. Well, here's how you handle that. In the name of Jesus. 
That's how you represent Jesus when that kid from down the street comes to your home and is cursing up and down. You're like, oh, we don't curse. And like, how do you have, like, you don't avoid them. You, you try to, you try to rep Jesus to them. You're always looking for t- ways to have Jesus conversations. And that requires time. Have that be one of your focus. But here's a word of hope. The gospel that you preach to your kids, please preach to yourselves. Because if you're like me tonight, I want to fall asleep feeling like a failure of a parent. Because today has been a tough day as a parent. From the moment my kids woke up to the moment I got on this stage, it has felt like a very tough day. And there's going to be tough days. God didn't promise perfect days. But he promised to be there with us. He promised to walk through this with us. He promised to give us grace when we need grace, strength when we need strength. He promised that we would know that we are weak, but he is perfect. And so the mighty Savior that you preach to your kids, remember that he is your Savior as well. And so our big thought for this experience is uh, simply this, a Christ-centered, a centered family requires Christ-centered living. This is kind of what Graham was talking about last week when it came to marriage and and here's how I, I wanted to close this out, this, this little madhouse series, because your madhouse, it looks different than my madhouse, but I think what Paul is trying to say from the context into the, into the family union is that you're trying to live out your Christian faith. And so it was just a, it was just a little bit ago where, where I was down in Lynchburg, Virginia. It seems like yesterday, now it was so long ago. Down in Lynchburg, Virginia, fighting with God, powwowing with God. And to to kind of play on what Graham was doing last week, I wasn't submitted to God. I was standing up in rebellion against God. And and it got to a point where one New Year's Eve, a a girl yelled at me about something about Jesus and it just got my attention. And finally at that moment, I I submitted. And 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 I kind of surrendered me running from God. And I was working at American Eagle and uh, there was a job at American Eagle that no one wanted to do. It was the markdown rack. It was a nightmare of a job. And, and I saw this girl start helping other employees out on the markdown rack. And I was like, oh, she's really nice. Me like. And, and I was the manager, so I knew her number. That was illegal. Uh, but... We talked on AIM first. That is outdated. <laughs> Ava, can you come here for a second? You promised to marry me, and you didn't know that you would have to kneel before church. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> come kneel. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and so in that moment, Christ-centered living was submitting ourselves before Jesus. And in that moment, there were, we were train wrecks of human beings still trying to figure it out. And if this is your family unit, maybe you're in that family unit where, where it's the husband that's not willing to submit before God. Does that change your job as a spouse? Your job before God is to still be Christ-centered. And if you have kids in the picture, if you don't have kids in the picture, does, does any of that change your one focus? to be surrendered before Jesus and have Jesus be your focus, Jesus be what you're striving to be more and more like. And if God would so bring in a kid, Lanning, come on up. What's your job for a Christ-centered family? Well, my job as a husband is, and as a father is to be Christ-centered. 
Ava's job, whether or not what I'm acting like or doing is to be Christ-centered. Landon's job as he comes into the picture is to be Christ-centered in his own right. And then right before Brady comes up, our family had a, had a miscarriage. And that was, Landon was too young to know, but tough for Ava and I. Did that change anything for Ava and I? It, we wanted to. We wanted to run. But it was be Christ-centered. Focus on Jesus. Brady, come, come on up here and do not screw around with your brother. Uh, come on up. Thank you, buddy. So Brady's in the picture. For a Christ-centered family, what does it require? It requires the dad to be focused on Jesus. It requires the wife. It requires the son. It requires the next son. It doesn't, all of our jobs are not dependent upon one of another. It's, it's stale. Be Christ-centered. Be focused on Jesus. And then, and then Reagan, come on up and do not screw around with your brothers. Where are you, Reagan? Come on up. Thank you. What? Yeah, she's getting a hamster maybe. I don't know. All right. You're a little. Come sit there. Her job is the same. Be Christ-centered. Okay, that makes sense. But what if, what if in five years... The kid down the street, hanging out with Landon, all of a sudden is coming, kind of coming at Landon, leading him astray. He's responsible for his own decisions. Stand up for a second. Does that mean he's making bad decisions? He gets into drugs. He gets into this, that, the other thing. And as a, as a Christ-centered dad, that I'm supposed to join him in evil and just try to find the lesser of two evils. Hey, this is really bad. So let's just find this, this other thing that's just a little bit like, no, my job is to be, Christ-centered and to pray for the prodigal. Come home, come home, come home. And to be fasting and to be praying and to be encouraging my kid in a Christ-centered manner to come back and to submit himself before the Lord. But if we want to get additionally real in this conversation as we close out this Madhouse series, what if you're like my brother? who lost a child at 18 months. That's a mad house. What's the focus? It doesn't change the focus. I saw two human beings maintain a Christ-centered focus through tragedy, literally hitting their knees before God and lifting their hands in worship, keeping their eyes on Jesus. Your grandma, you didn't ask to raise your kids. You didn't ask to raise your kids' kids. What's your job? Stay Christ-centered and submitted before God. Let's get, let's get real a little bit more. What if you're my grandma? Her kids have moved out of the house. Her husband died last year. She's now alone in a home. And, and when do I get my medicine? When do I do this? And my mom's going up there and all these battles. And every single day, it's this battle, it's this, it's this battle. Now you've had a home that looked like this. And now you're later in life. And now you're the only one in your home. You're retired. You're the only one that opens and closes your door at your house. What's your job? Be Christ-centered and submit yourself to the Lord. If you're 20 and waiting for the family, don't take the attitude like, I'll get my life right when the nice boy or the nice girl comes my way. That's when I'll start focusing in on a Christ-centered family. Your job 
right now. Whether or not there's a boy in the picture or no girl in the picture or whatever it might be, your job is the same. Be Christ-centered. I know your knees all hurt. Go sit. Thank you so much. My challenge for you guys in light of this, I have two for you. One, if you are a parent in the room, we already have 20 people or so signed up for a workshop this coming Saturday. We have a little bit room for a little bit more. Uh, we have a workshop. I didn't give you guys any how-tos this week. I didn't say, hey, you should read this book or you should use this app or what if your kid is listening to uh, uh, the Notorious B.I.G.? Like, what should I do then? Or, or who's Drake? Uh, like, okay, fine. Like, I didn't give you any of that type of advice. But Ava and I have our own how-tos and whatnot. And so at the workshop, we'll give you our how-tos and some books and some uh, encouragement on what, you know, some things, resources to use. Um, and also how to have a, a gospel-centered family. So sign up for that workshop. The QR code is on the screen or it'll be emailed and whatnot. But the second challenge is to the church. Could you support a family this week? Could you say, yeah, like it's stressful to be a parent. And you may not be a parent yourself, or maybe your kids are raised and out of the house, but you could still support a parent. Well youth and well kids should not be the hardest ministries to find volunteers. Because I know that there are moms in this very room that are craving for men in their 30s, 40s, or retired to invest in their kid because no one else is. And so could you love on a family this week and to be perhaps that representation of Jesus? Could you offer them babysitting if you know the family? If you don't know the family, do not walk up and say, I'll babysit for you because that's not how we do it. You can offer them a 50 and say, go have a nice night out. That would be fine. That'd be weird, but still cool, okay? But support a family. That's my encouragement to you. And so would you guys stand? We're going to close with the song, uh, The Blessing. It's a song that uh, every time we sing it, uh, I know one, uh, one mom in particular uh, that really loves singing it over her children. And it's an emotional song because it's, it's praying for generations and generations and generations to come. It's praying God's favor. It's, it's a literal prayer from Scripture that's been turned into a worship song to, to pray the prayer, to sing the prayer. And so as we go into this song, I just wanted to pray for you and for us and then sing this song. God, Lord, I do pray for the families in this room. Lord, I pray for the dads in this room to get serious about their responsibility to be a Christ-centered man in their son's lives or their daughter's lives. And perhaps, Father, that's not the case right now, but perhaps this this and the power of the Holy Spirit will, will shift. And, and from this shifting, we'll see, we'll see generations of, of, of warriors for you flow out of the homes before me. Father, for the moms in this room that feel beat up and discouraged, Lord, would you, would you encourage them with the gospel message that they've clung to? Lord, would you see men and women in this room that maybe don't have kids in their own home that, that might take a talk like this and say, yeah, I can do something to help the family. Holy Spirit, would you speak to the mom right now, the grandma that is, is raising kids that didn't ask to raise the kids that they're raising. They've already done their time, but now they're doing it again. Would you speak encouragement to them? Father, for the parents that are going to bed feeling like a failure, would you bring favor to their home? And would we see generations 
of warriors for you flow out of this church and out of our families. Ma, Lord, for the 20-somethings in this room that don't even know what it's like to to lead a family because that's just a, a thought for down the road. Would you start right now developing them to be the husband they need to be, the wife they need to be, the dad they need to be, the mom they need to be right now? Lord, we do pray for your favor. And we let you define what favor will look like. We give you this time, this last song, this evening. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Let's sing.